Welcome back to Pathways to Resilience. This is Melissa Santos, and I am excited about this uh, series that we're bringing to you, really rethinking basic needs. Um, You know, traditionally, we think of basic needs as food and shelter and clothing, and certainly those things are important. But how are we looking further um, and really looking at what not only we need physically um, that we're, that's obvious, but what our brains and bodies need that really support mental wellness. And one of those things is sleep. Um, and so today I am welcoming Dr. Shanta Gauda, who's a licensed clinical health psychologist, board certified in behavioral sleep medicine. And I can't wait to have you hear from her because it's just fascinating the way she's dove into the world of sleep. She trained as a clinical fellow at Stanford Sleep Medicine Center and built the first sleep and circadian health program for the Marine Corps Special Operations Command. She completed her pre-doctoral residency at the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System and is an adjunct clinical faculty at Stanford School of Medicine. She's also a consultant for a variety of groups, including the FBI, Special Operations Command Providers, First Responders, and Collegiate Sports Teams. She resides in San Francisco and enjoys traveling good eating, which I appreciated how you wrote that, and going for hikes with her husband, her son, and dog. Welcome, Dr. Gouda. Thank you so much, Melissa. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited too. So let's just start with um, telling us a little bit about yourself and your path to focusing your career on this fascinating topic of sleep. Sure. So I am a clinical health psychologist by training. And so I've always been really interested in, you know, I feel like there's a disconnect sometimes between medicine and what we hear from our doctors and then actually being a patient and being able to sort of follow what they say and really understand it. So I loved being that sort of liaison and really helping people implement those changes. And I think sleep is what just stood out to me during that process because It's so critical for everything that we do, for every health condition that I remember seeing and training, improving sleep or sleep problems was a component of treatment. And so I kind of just dove into sleep and I've never looked back. Um, So yeah, decided to focus on sleep and, you know, it's been about a decade and I've just enjoyed it more and more by the day. It's so interesting because that it would seem so like profound for us to talk about this or to, to see, know that there are people like you out there who have just dedicated your careers to it when it is like the thing that we do every day, all of every like species and how often we talk about it, right? Like so common, like how'd you sleep last night? Like that just is like a common thing that people ask each other. And yet we don't, it's not the what's probably the last thing a lot of people think about when they think about not feeling well or um, different health conditions. Absolutely. I think it's, it's kind of a shame that being a sleep specialist is so unique. And, you know, when I tell people that I treat sleep problems, they're like, oh, wow, you're a psychologist and you're a sleep specialist. When, you know, like you said, it's something that we spend almost a third of our life doing. So obviously focusing on it and making sure that we do it right, it should be the norm. It should be the norm. Why should we consider sleep as one of our basic needs towards wellness? Well, I think 
I mean, to answer simply, I mean, it, it is one of our basic needs, right? I think, like you were mentioning, when we think of basic needs, we think of food, water, and shelter. Um, but we forget that sleep is this natural biological drive that we have. And it's actually that one behavior that happens no matter what, you know, mm-hmm. you can't, you don't have a choice in it. <laughs> your, your body mm-hmm. will sleep when it absolutely needs it. I mean, you might be able to fight it and pull an all nighter once or twice in a row, but eventually your body is just going to shut down into sleep. And so I think the fact that our body will get it when it needs it is the best example of how important it must be for us that we're, we're going to get it when we need it. Literally for our survival. I mean, that's comes just as much as fight, flight, or freeze come sleep, right? Correct. I mean, if we didn't sleep, we would be dead. Yep. Yeah. So what do you, when we talked the last time we talked about you seeing sleep as sort of a a gateway or the conversation around sleep as a gateway to mental wellness or mental health. Um, I guess it's probably a two-way door, right? Um, so how, how does that show up in your practice and people that you're trying to support? Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a psychologist, but I'm also, I also call myself a sleep specialist, right? And so I think there's very minimal stigma if, if there is any at all to seeing a sleep specialist. So people, you know, they don't Mm. sleep and it's something we all want, right? You know, I've never met somebody who doesn't want to sleep well. So we all want to sleep well. And I don't think we hesitate if we needed to, and we know that resource is there. I don't think we would hesitate to reach out to a sleep specialist. So I think people come through my door and come into my practice a lot easier and more willing. Mm. And then once we start working together and we improve sleep, people realize that, well, if I manage my stress better, perhaps I'll sleep better, or they'll understand that their anxiety is playing a role or their low mood, or perhaps their relationship problems um, are are factors for not sleeping well. And then that sort of opens the door to being a little more open to other mental health providers and, and mental health treatment. And so that's why I kind of say that I feel like sleep therapy is gateway therapy because once mm-hmm. they've gotten their sleep, they are then more willing to, to reach out for other resources. What are the, so like you said, I, I don't know that anyone would not like more sleep. Um, I do know that when I've spoken with folks who have a hard to have difficulty sleeping, that this idea of being told how many hours of sleep to get per night and how important it is can sometimes feel really frustrating. Like, well, duh, if I could do it, I would. And so what, what do you find are, are people are coming to you the most around or what are themes that you're seeing in your practice? I think, you know, you bring up a really interesting point, Melissa. I think there are two groups of people when it comes to sleep, one who have perhaps know that sleep is important, but they have busy lives or they're just, they don't really know the true value of sleep. So they don't prioritize it. And for that group, I would want to work with them on how can we make sure you get, you know, enough sleep. And this is really what sleep can do for you. So I really want to emphasize the value of sleep. But I think what I see more in my practice and what I think we see more in society now is the other bucket of people who they know sleep is important. They want to get it. They're like, this is what I need to sort of improve my health and that pressure to get good sleep actually makes it more challenging to Mm -hmm. get. 
because you've added anxiety about sleep. You've added another stressor to your plate, which will actually make sleep worse. Mm -hmm. And, and so, so then what, where do you begin? Yeah. I think, you know, for me as a sleep specialist, the first thing that I do when I see someone in my practice is do a full comprehensive sleep evaluation Mm -hmm. where I get a good understanding of, you know, what kind of concerns are they having? What problems are they having? And then we, I'll be able to either diagnose or sort of come up with a, a treatment plan for them. And treatment can look different depending on what the problem is. I think I see insomnia probably the most mm-hmm. difficulty falling asleep, sort of turning your mind off at night or having racing thoughts or sort of waking up in the middle of the night and not being able to return to sleep. Um, and the gold standard of treatment for insomnia is, is something called CBTI mm. behavioral therapy for insomnia. Um, and you know, it's a treatment that you can very much sort of tailor to the person and the exact, you know, unique needs, um, and life circumstance that they have. So that's, that's a good, that's a, that's the bulk of what I do, I would say. Okay. And now what would you say for folks that and maybe this is the first bucket, but who are, you know, in our society that is so go, go, go over schedule, um, all, everyone in the family, you know, um, screens that are are stealing our sleep in, in so many different ways, but people who say I'm good on four hours of sleep, are those the folks that just don't, they just haven't experienced the full enough sleep yet to know how much that could improve? I think for those people, they, it could be a number of things, but it's very, very, very rare that someone truly can get by on four hours. I mean, they can get by. I think what people mean when they say that is I can survive. I can live my life like this, but it doesn't mean that there are deficits. There are certainly deficits um, that, that they're experiencing that they perhaps don't have sight on. Yeah. They might not be connecting it to to the sleep. Totally. Or they might not even have the awareness of those deficits because once you deprive yourself of sleep over time, you actually lose sight of um, your deficits. You, you think you're okay, but your deficits will continue to decline. Hmm. Because it just becomes your new baseline or your new normal. And so you're not even in line aligned with it. Is that it's, it's really interesting. They've done a few studies on this. And if you're someone who sleeps pretty well, like, you know, I think you and I were chatting that we fortunately have good mm-hmm. sleep. Mm-hmm. And so if we're, you know, we go one night or two, one night without sleep, for some reason, we get, you know, a few hours less than we typically do. We're going to notice it the next day, mm-hmm. right? Dragging, we'll feel those like consequences of not sleeping well, perhaps a second or third night, if we get a few hours less than we need, we'll still notice it. But by that third or fourth day after, you know, we've sort of consistently deprived ourselves of sleep, we're going to start to sort of feel okay. We're not going to feel the same negative effects. And perhaps your body has adjusted a little to the consequences, but your performance, your functioning is still continuing to decline. decline. Well, it's so funny. I feel it today. I was up. I maybe a little mini insomnia last night. I was up and couldn't fall back asleep and I can absolutely feel it today. Um, and I, you know, I still was in bed all night and went to bed early enough, but certainly I get, whenever I have even just interrupted sleep, I can feel the difference. What does, what does sleep deprivation or not getting a lot of sleep? What are the, what are the main, um, challenges that those things cause? Everything. (laughs) 
I would say, I would say um, you know, sleep definitely impacts every aspect of our functioning. And so when we're not getting the sleep that we need, we will see deficits in every aspect of our functioning. So from a physical standpoint, if you're talking about physical health, you know, sleep deprivation is linked to heart disease, diabetes, obesity, high blood pressure, you know, lowered immune functioning, you're more likely to catch, you know, the common cold. Um, But then also just your your sort of brain functioning and things that you really need to get by at your job to do daily tasks, like your concentration, attention, Mm. your memory, especially short term memory, just general decision making, your overall mood. So everything is impacted. And I think most people can relate to that because if you ask somebody, how do you, do you notice, what do you notice when you don't sleep well? You know, people will say, well, I'm pretty cranky. I'm kind of, uh-huh. I'm irritable. You know, you kind of have word finding difficulties. You're looking for your wallet. You're looking for your keys, but you can't really spit out those words. Um, and everything just feels less productive, less efficient. So it's easy to notice some of those functioning um, deficits. But I think what's really important that we don't notice that's not so obvious are, are what's happening in our organ system, that mm-hmm. all our organ systems are really are not getting the restoration that they need. What does, um, what, what does, how does sleep, improving sleep help someone who's perhaps has a diagnosis of depression or anxiety or something like that? How is that having that sleep as part of a treatment plan help those sort of symptoms and managing that? I'm so glad that you asked this because I think it's something that I emphasize quite a bit, which is that targeting sleep separately um, can definitely improve outcomes when you're like, you know, depression outcomes specifically, there's a, a quite a large body of research that shows that if you improve someone's sleep alongside improving their depression, that their depression and sleep outcomes are better. Mm. Um, so I think, and that's, that's true for anxiety as well. Um, and so I think we're finally understanding that we can't just think of sleep as this sort of side um, symptom of all these other conditions, you know, sleep should be its own bucket as well. And we need to improve it. It's not going to improve on its own just because you improve your mood. You know, we've got to try specifically. And how easy is it to access a sleep specialist? Is it still something that's sort of a privilege or is it, is it coming along with the rest of sort of general medicine? I think it's coming along, but I, I, I don't think it's coming along as quickly as we need it to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think generally speaking, I always think that sleep therapy is, is certainly a privilege, right? For someone to mm-hmm. sleep, to, to pay for services, to improve, um, that that's, that's certainly a privilege. I think today, you know, the goal and the hope is that sleep care is embedded within any other healthcare system. And I think that's there, but it's just not there enough. Mm-hmm. And, you know, unfortunately, I think this is slowly changing, but I know like about eight to 10 years ago, the med schools were, were providing approximately two to four hours of education on sleep. Wow. And so you can have an MD and not really have a good sense of how sleep is impacting, you know, your overall health or, or how you should treat it. Um, so I don't think that it's where it needs to be, but I, it is improving. I'm hearing about more and more, um, sleep specialists kind of being embedded within other healthcare teams. What is one thing, 
someone could do to improve their sleep? And maybe one thing is too hard, but where can people start? I think the first thing I would say is prioritizing it. I think, you know, allowing yourself that time to sleep. Sleep tends to be something because it's just so passive and we do it at night. We tend to make this to-do list of all the things we have to do during the day. And then sleep tends to just get delayed and delayed and delayed until we have the time to do it. So I think one would be prioritizing sleep to allow yourself the right amount of time. And then I think the second thing would be, you know, sort of my go-to phrases is to get better sleep at night. You really want to be better during the day. Mm-hmm. I think instead of focusing on what you should do around bedtime, it can be more powerful to just make sure that you're physically active and that you're getting, you know, sunlight exposure and that you're socially engaged during the day. Because once you've sort of done those things, you're building up the right drive for sleep at night. So your body's looking for all of the, your internal clock is, so to speak, is kind of looking for those things to do during the day so that it's readying itself to say, oh, now it's sleep time. Yeah, I think there there are two big systems that are at play. And one is building this drive for sleep. And then the other is exactly what you said, our circadian rhythm, which Mm -hmm. goes on this routine. And so we want to do both. And the best way to target both is to do things consistently and um, actively throughout the day. So fascinating. And again, so simple, right? So many of these these newer basic needs, I'm calling them, like we're rethinking them of like (laughs) staying staying hydrated, like yes, access to healthy food and all that is super, is, is important, but, but staying hydrated, c- connection with other people and for goodness sake, sleep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think coming back, you're right. Coming back to the basics. We, I feel like we're in a time where we're looking for such unique and clever and like, you know, modern, uh, strategies, but we, if we really asked ourselves, am I physically active enough? Am I hydrated enough? Am I getting the sleep that I need? You know, those really core tenants, I think we'd, we'd probably be better off. We probably need a few more apps to try to help tell us how to do it. Like our bodies, <laughs> the, right? Like the smartest app is our bodies know when they yes. need and what they need. And we have so many things distracting us. Exactly. Fascinating. Exactly. What, how, so this is the question I ask all of, of my guests. What is resilience from your perspective? Yeah. Resilience, I think for me, I like to really boil things down to the basics, which is actually quite a great segue to this question. (laughs) And I think resilience for me would be routine, Mm. routine and consistency, because I think, you know, when I think of routine, and this is very much what I tell all my patients for sleep is routine is not rigidity, right? Routine is that consistency showing up, you know, day after day, it doesn't mean that we're not going to have difficulties and challenges and setbacks. But if you can kind of bring that routine back um, and maintain that consistency, then you're giving yourself stability over time. You're giving yourself structure, positive Mm. habits. Um, And to me, I think whatever is thrown at you, if you can come back to that routine, I think that that's a form of resiliency. So interesting that you say that it's aligned with, um, I was at an event over the weekend where we were talking about post-traumatic growth instead of just post-traumatic stress or trauma. And this idea that we sort of have a baseline of functioning and then we, the trauma sort of dips us down and that resiliency brings us back to that baseline. 
is what you're saying back to our consistency. And then post-traumatic growth is that we may even go above baseline based on the experience. But I love this idea of it's just very aligned with like, it's our consistent, how we show up for ourselves, how we show up in the world baseline and our ability to get ourselves back there or maintain it. Absolutely. And I think that summarizes how you can maintain healthy sleep over time is if you come back, Mm. you know, you're going to have periods of stress, you're going to have periods of travel and, you know, illness. But if you come back to your routine of healthy habits that promote good sleep, your sleep might get thrown off, but it will come back to healthy sleep if you maintain that. I love this. It's so fascinating. Where, where can people find out about you or where would you, where would you guide people to learn more about the subject? Yeah, I, um, I run a private practice called think sleep. And so I try to keep, you know, my website up to date with some information about sleep and that's thinksleep.org. And I also try to put out strategies, tips, you know, myths about sleep on an Instagram page that's accessible to anyone, um, which is think.sleep. But I think if someone is really interested in seeing a sleep specialist, um, you know, they can try to find one through their primary care doctor, but there's also a couple of directories online. The Society of Behavioral Sleep Medicine is a great place to look if you're trying to treat insomnia or just get a good evaluation. Um, and uh, I think I think those providers would probably be a great start. Awesome. Anything else you hope to, to be able to share with people today about about sleep? I think you should prioritize it, but not worry about perfecting it and be, be the best that you can during the day and come back to good habits of protecting your sleep environment, um, and maintaining consistency and don't change anything just because you didn't sleep well, just keep on going. Um, and, and you'll, you'll end up with, with better sleep than you would expect. Thank you so much. I, I actually cannot, what you're making me like get so excited for <laughs> sleep tonight. Uh, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And I hope people you know, check, check this out. I think this is something we could talk about. This is a short conversation, but again, the fact that we spend a third of our lives doing this thing or should, um, right. it's so important to everything is certainly worth spending some time learning more about and assessing for ourselves. So thank you for your time. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, Take care. Bye. Pathways to Resilience is brought to you by Community Solutions, a nonprofit organization in Santa Clara County, California. To learn more about our services and our CS Learning Training Institute, visit us at www.communitysolutions.org. Thanks for listening. And if you liked us, please feel free to subscribe or give us a review. Pathways to home.